Praise God. We're glad that you joined us tonight for our Wednesday service. This is actually the beginning of Passover, 6 o'clock Jewish time. And uh, it's the beginning of Passover where Jesus, they call it the week of suffering that he goes through. But you know what? The end of it is victory. And that's what we're going to be celebrating Sunday is the victory that is ours. But we're looking forward to tonight, and we want to just encourage you to just join in with us and call somebody and tell them to get it on their Facebook Live right now, and we're going to just worship the Lord, let God minister to us. We've got several needs that we're just praying for individuals, and individuals have contacted us through the week that they need prayer physically, spiritually, emotionally, and we're going to believe God to just touch them tonight in the name of Jesus. Because we can, we are able to do that because of our belief and our reality of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the preaching of the cross. To them that perish is foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. Tonight we're going to just worship Him. So worship the Lord with us as we sing and just worship Him wherever you might be. Lift your hands, clap your hands, sing out loud. Well, I believe in the cross. I believe in the cleansing blood. I believe in a hill called Calvary. Where Jesus died for you and me. I believe that He lives. And He's coming back again. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. This I believe. We're going to do that one more time. Well, I believe in the cross. I believe in the cleansing blood. I believe in a hill called Calvary. Where Jesus died for you and me. I believe that He lives. And He's coming back again. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. This I believe. Well, I believe in His power to heal the sick. Cause the blinded eyes to see. I believe all hell has to lose its hold when he set the demoniac free. I believe that he walked on the roughest sea, multiplied food to eat. I believe he's given us the power to use his name with authority. Well, I believe in the cross. I believe in the cleansing blood. I believe in a hill called Calvary, where Jesus died for you and me. I believe that He lives, and He's coming back again. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. This I believe. We're going to do that verse one more time. I believe in His power to heal the sick, cause the blinded eyes to see. I believe all hell has to lose its hold when he sets the maniac free. I believe that he walked on the roughest sea, multiplied food to eat. I believe he's given us the power to use his name with authority. Well, I believe in the cross. I believe in the cleansing blood. I believe in a hill called Calvary, where Jesus died for you and me. I believe that He lives, 
and he's coming back again. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. This I believe. I believe that tonight, and I know you do too. Oh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. They are saved. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. They are saved. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Most High. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Most High. One more time, the name is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. They are saved. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. They are saved. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Most High. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Most High. Power in that name. The name of the Lord. And I'll tell you right where you are tonight. We just want you to just... Enter right into the presence of God. You know, there's no limit. There's no miles that can keep the presence of God apart from here to you. And God is just moving supernaturally. And we thank God for what He's doing. And we can. this can be our confession boldly. Well, I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning or lay my head to rest, I am blessed. I am blessed. One more time. Well, I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, or lay my head to rest. I am blessed. I am blessed. And we are the blessed. Amen. You know, we praise God for our congregation, our people. In the midst of all of the trauma that we're in in this world, they're still standing faithful to God and worshiping the Lord and I'd say 99% of them are joining us right now with Facebook Live. And if they can't get on us with right now, they can watch it later. But the presence of God is real. And we thank God for their faithfulness to God and them just being faithful to the Lord in all that they do for the kingdom and to see that our church goes forward during this time that we're in. And we just thank God for all of you. 
Amen. Oh, in His presence, in His presence, there is peace. In His presence, in His presence, there is joy. I will linger, I will stay in His presence day by day till His likeness can be seen in me. Just lift your hands right where you are and just worship Him. Oh, in His presence, in His presence, there is peace. In His presence, in His presence, there is joy. I will linger. I will stay in His presence day by day till His likeness can be seen in me. Surely presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face surely all the presence of the Lord is in this place He is here hallelujah He is here praise the Lord He is here Listen closely. He is calling out your name. He is here. Let him touch you. He never be the same. He is here. Hallelujah. Oh, you'll never be the same. One more time. Oh, He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. He is here. Listen closely. He's here. Listen closely. He's calling out your name. He's calling out your name. 
He's here, let Him touch you. Oh, you'll never be the same. I want you just to just right now just prepare to receive what God has for you. Because God is so good. His presence is here. And Father, we lift up every person that's watching by Facebook Live right now. Just let the anointing of the Holy Ghost flow through this service tonight and touch them. Encourage them and minister to them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, we're thankful tonight for what God's doing. And we're going to invite my wife to come and just wait upon us tonight. Well, good evening. I hope you had a great week so far. It's in Texas. It's almost 90 degrees if it didn't already top out at that this afternoon. So it's hot in Texas. But what I wanted to minister tonight, I wanted to um, just minister when I was reading over the, the Easter story and how Jesus had his triumph entry into Jerusalem it struck me that he came in in the authority of, as a, authority of a king. And when he came into Jerusalem in that authority, he put things in order. And this is what I want to minister tonight. We're going to do a boatload of scripture. So I won't read it all, but you can re- read the read it yourself. You'll find the fa- you'll find it fascinating. Sometimes we pull the the different parables out and we minister on that but we're going to tonight we're going to look at the whole picture <clears throat> it's not a covid cough it's just a little cough if any of you've had any covid-19 moments i had one yesterday it was like when we were driving around <clears throat> excuse me and i was just looking at everything and how empty it was and it just kind of hit me and you probably have those moments, too, that where it just kind of hits you, that we're in a different time. So, anyways, <clears throat> I want to minister tonight about Jesus coming in as a king and setting things in order. So, Jesus is referred to as king of the Jews two times, and this is actually just from, from the internet. In his earthly life, at his birth by the wise men, and at his trial and subsequent crucifixion all four gospels recorded the word king of the jews as part of pilate's instruction to the angry mob and pilate's direct address to jesus it is interesting that only non-jews use the specific title to describe jesus underscoring the truth of john 111 which said he came to his own and his people did not receive him the title of king of the jews had both messianic and political implications Kings, king in Israel were anointed with oil as a sign of God's choosing. And the meaning of Messiah is anointed one. As son of David, 
The Messiah was chosen by God to fulfill the Davidic covenant and rule on the throne of Jerusalem. When the Magi came to Jerusalem seeking the king of the Jews, they most likely had in mind a future political leader. And that's what made people angry was because they wanted Jesus to be that political leader. They wanted him to be king. But much to but the Jews in Jerusalem hearing the Magi's question would have thought of the long-awaited Messiah. In Mark 15:32, some mockingly called Jesus king of Israel and associate the title with Christ. And the sign that Pilate posted over Jesus on the cross identified the criminal in three languages. Jesus talking about Jesus as the criminal. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The Jewish leaders objected to the application of a messianic title to, Jew, to Jesus. Don't write king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, I'm, what I wrote is going to stand. So we're going to go, we're going to start in Matthew 21. And if you want me to post these notes, then just say so in the comment and we'll just post the notes and you can pick them up later. But um, on Sunday, when we celebrated Palm Sunday, Jesus had a triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And that was the start of Holy Week and Jesus's kingship. Now, that triumphant entry was on the 10th day. The day which the law required that the Paschal Lamb be appointed and set apart. So there's there's so much that the Bible is so rich with everything. So they set apart the Paschal Lamb. They're preparing for Passover. And at the same time, Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. So and as a king, his first act of authority. Now we're talking tonight about. Jesus having the authority of a king. His first act of authority as king was to cleanse the temple. Now you'll read in John um, 1.11, or 1.11, no, I'm sorry, it was 2.13. John 2.13 was when Jesus started his ministry, he cleansed the temple. Now he's ending his ministry, and his first act of authority is to cleanse the temple of the money changers. Because the money changers were there because it was Passover and everybody needed a sacrifice. So they were there to sell the doves and everything like that. So he cleansed it. And when he cleansed it, he said, the synagogue was to be, and this is in Matthew 21. I don't want to read the scripture on this because we're going through like three chapters of Matthew So it's a lot of scripture. So I'm kind of just kind of paraphrasing it or condensing it a little bit. But he cleansed the temple. He set the temple in order and he declared it to be. And I do want to read that in Matthew 21, 12 through 16. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the the table of the money changers And the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. So at the end of this ministry, he cleansed the temple. He set the temple in order. He declared the temple to be, number one, the house of prayer. We saw that in verse 13. Number two, he declared it to be a place of healing. 
the lame and the, the, the lame and the blind came into Jesus for healing and he healed them in the temple. Number three, he declared it in verse 15 to be a place for children. And he declared it in verse 16 to be a place of praise. So he took the authority and he declared the house. What he was doing was cleaning it physically by getting the money changers out. And then he was cleaning it spiritually and setting the house in order. And then he left the temple because that took about all day to do. Doesn't seem like that, but it takes a long time to do those things. He traveled to Bethany and the next day he returned to the temple in Jerusalem. And he taught in the temple. So there was one more thing that he did in the temple. So he established church to be a place of praise, a place of prayer, a place of healing, a place for children, and a place for teaching the word of God. So that's what the local church is supposed to be. And if you don't have a local church, you need to find a local church. Amen. I mean, it sure is fun watching church on Internet. You can watch it in your PJs and drink coffee and everything. But there's something about being the member of a local church and being a part of that body. You can help out in that church. You can expand, help the pastors expand the vision of the church by putting more hands to the plow. That you get so much more by being in a local body than you do just by Internet. So when this crisis is over, if you don't have a local church, find one. And then don't tell me that you're, you're bedridden. And you can't because this is why we have these online. So in case you can't get out. But on the way back to the temple, before he taught the people, he got hungry and he saw a fig tree with leaves on it. Now, when the fig tree had leaves on it, that signified that there was supposed to be fruit there. The, the fig tree is symbolic of Israel and he couldn't find fruit on the tree. So we're starting now to look at the religion Versus relationship. Sometimes things look really good religiously, but there's no fruit. So he looked at it and he demonstrated his authority that he not only had the power to bless, but he had the power to curse. He cursed the fig tree. It dried up at the root. And the disciples were like, oh, man, you you look, Jesus, look what you did. And he goes, yes, well, if you had faith, you could do that, too. So faith not presumption, must be when we speak. I get so irritated, and please, don't take this the wrong way. If you do this, just don't do it to me anymore. Please stop sending me chain prayers. Um, I do not believe in them. I do not believe that if a thousand people pray, you know, then all of a sudden COVID-19 is going to dissipate. I think we should pray, and I think we should have um, prayer for this. But don't send me any more chain letters. Faith, not presumption. You know, I heard all kinds of silly things like, you know, that if we pray, then God's going to, you know, just make it evaporate across the earth. He's not going to make it evaporate, okay? Faith, not presumption. We can't presume just because somebody says it. We have to have the faith in our heart that God will do it. And that was what he said in Matthew that you had to have faith the size of a mustard seed. Or no, he didn't say that. He was talking about in uh, Matthew twenty-one, twenty-two. He answered them and he said unto them, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do that which was done to the fig tree, but also if you say unto the mountain, 
Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So we have to believe and not doubt. But don't be presumptuous either. And that's a whole different sermon. But then he went into the temple to teach the people and was confronted by the chief priests. And they were angry that he was teaching the people. And they asked him about what authority he had. I mean, surely when you come into a place of worship and you're the chief priest, and now everything is out of order. In your mind, it's out of order. The money changers are gone. Maybe those were your friends. But the money changers are gone. Children are going, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, what, what's going on here? And now you're teaching? What, what's, what, what's exactly what is happening here? And when he came to the temple in Matthew 21, 23, when, they came into, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority do you do these things? Yeah, Jesus. And who gives you this authority? And Jesus, not to be outdone by the Pharisees, said, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I will likewise tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, Well, if we say from heaven, he will say unto us, then why don't you believe them? But if we say of men, we're afraid of the people. For all hold John as a prophet. And they answered and said, We cannot tell. And Jesus said unto them, Neither can I tell you by what authority I do these things. So he just kept sticking it and sticking it to the religious people. He didn't like them because what they did was they turned people instead of turning them toward God. They were turning them away from God. And he proceeded to further expose them by telling two parables. Now, don't forget, sitting in the audience or in the congregation, I guess, is sitting in the synagogue. were not only the chief priests and the Pharisees, but there was also the common people. And he spoke in parables with them so that they can understand so in Matthew 21 was the first the first parable was the parable of the two sons. And if you remember the first son refused to help his father in the vineyard, but then he later he changed his mind and he went to work. The second son was kind of sneaky. He said he'd go and then he didn't go. And Jesus challenges listeners as to who did the will of the father. And then he said to the priests that publicans and harlots who repent, will enter the kingdom before you. So that's kind of a harsh word. You're sitting there in your ceremonial robes and your little pointy hats and whatever else you have on that day. And he's saying that the publicans and sinners who are sitting over there are going to go to the kingdom before you do. They're going to enter the kingdom because they were like the first son, even though they didn't right away say yes. They Finally, they repented and they went out to the vineyard. But he said... No, well, he didn't say that, but they inferred that he was talking about them as being the second son. The second parable, which was kind of a little harsher, was about the wicked husbandman. He was left in charge of the vineyard, and because he thought the master didn't see him, he began to mistreat his servants to the point of killing him, killing them. Then the master sent his son, and they killed him too. And in this parable, 
he was letting the chief priests knew that he knew about the plot to get rid of him. So he was telling them. Now you can imagine how enraged that these people were. First of all, they didn't like Jesus because Jesus had the anointing on him. He obviously drew a crowd. And these people, everything that they were not, Jesus was. You know, Jesus was kind and good. Jesus healed people. And these religious leaders were upset because he was disturbing their religious order of things. So Jesus went on with speaking. He went on with teaching in the temple. And the next he spoke about the parable about the marriage supper feast. He was teaching in that parable that there was one proper way to get to heaven. See, you must be born again. Whether there's different denominations and we disagree, you know, our church believes one way and somebody else's church believes another way. But if you believe in this, the Holy Bible is your foundation, there's certain doctrinal truths that we must believe in order to have proper fellowship. We believe that you must be born again. And this is what Jesus was saying when he was teaching about the marriage supper. Is that in those days, the king, if you were to go to the marriage supper, the king would provide the wedding garment. And there was a man sitting at the supper who had the wrong clothes on. So, when he saw him... He symbol it, the, the man who didn't have who wasn't dressed properly is symbolized how we try to get to heaven in our own self righteousness. And when the king saw him, he said, "Throw him out, where there's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth." And I think that these parables were comforting to the ones that were just sitting there and being the average people, because you have to understand that the scribes and Pharisees were very legalistic and they put so much burden on the people that it was hard to follow. And it was somewhat discouraging. But Jesus spoke simply and he gave them hope. You know, that's why I love these, these daily news conferences with, with our president. He gives us hope when he speaks. He lets us know. He says this week is going to be a tough week. But then he gives us hope. You know, but we're looking at ways to open the country and we're doing this and that. So much hope. And, and Jesus himself gave so much hope to just the common people. So it's pretty clear that there are rules to get into heaven. And it says in Mark, it says in Mark 7, it says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to make it. And he was saying these things. He wasn't saying them to be mean to the Pharisees to stick it to them. He was trying to tell them, wake up. There's one way. He didn't say that the way to the Pharisees was excluded. He was saying if you continue on your self-righteous ways, then you are going to be excluded. So he was telling them this in case their ears were open. Sometimes we have to say hard truths to people. And it doesn't feel good, and I don't like to tell people hard truths. But sometimes we have to do that to give them an opportunity to repent. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two fourteen, For many are called, but few are chosen. The whole world has been called, but very few will listen and repent. 
Then the Pharisees tried to lay another trap for Jesus by asking him if it was lawful for God's children to pay taxes to the government. They sound like one political party, which I'm not going to name, but it was just like trying to trip up all the time. You know, they were just trying to trap Jesus. And he said that the people should be loyal to their government and be good citizens. Now, obviously, if the government is doing wrong things like abortion or things like that, then we should oppose it. And he said, render unto show me the tribute money, he said in chapter 22, 19 through 21. And they brought him a penny. And he said, well, whose image is, whose is, whose is this image and so superscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. And he said unto them, render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Support of our government and support for God should not clash. There are two separate kingdoms. There's one on earth and one in heaven. The the earthly kingdom with its laws and rules and the heavenly kingdom. Jesus came as king, but he wasn't threatened by the earthly kingdom. He said, we've got to obey the laws of the land. And then we go from there and Jesus established, and this was all done in two or three days. It was like he was a pretty busy person the last week of his life trying to get these things in order. Jesus established the truth of the resurrection in Matthew 22, 23, and 33. The Sadducees questioned him regarding marriage in heaven. He said in verse 30, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but as are the angels in heaven. So he established that. He then establishes the two great commandments when questioned by the Pharisees. It's almost like a baseball game where they each come up to bat and see if they can finally get him. And one of them was a lawyer, and this is in Matthew 22, 34, 35. When one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So that was kind of a bonus, because he only asked which was the great commandment. And Jesus said, by the way, this is the second one that's almost like the first one. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So they couldn't get him there either. And he established that. He established. Do you see the authority that he's establishing? And then in Matthew 22:41 through 46, he challenges the Pharisees on his identity. And they just couldn't, they couldn't answer. So they, from there on, they're quiet. And then Jesus takes that opportunity. And in chapter 23, he starts exposing the religious leaders as frauds and not from God. So now they're quiet. They've already, they've had their say. They've tried to get him. They've tried to expose him. They just couldn't do it. But in Matthew 23, 1 through 10, he told the people, they bind, talking about the religious people, they bind heavy burdens on you, but they won't help you at all. They love the attention of being religious and holy and love the best of everything. But these people are not to be esteemed. And that was just a paraphrase of 
because I don't want to keep you all night. But what we may do is break these down into separate teachings and kind of look at them um, in more depth. And then in Matthew 23:11 through 12, he says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. So here he contrasts with the chiefs, the, the Pharisees who walk in with their robes and their their things and their little hats and everything and everything's in order and they look so good. Then he said, well, that's not where it's at. To be great in the kingdom is to be servant, to be a servant of all. And you'll see that at the Last Supper where Jesus washes their feet in an act of servanthood. But he said, he greatest among you shall be your servant. And he blew away the myth that great people are those who think they're better than everybody else. See, God levels the playing field field for everybody you can get into heaven one way you have to be born again there's only one way everybody from great to small have to be born again and that's what he was doing here he was telling the people he was comforting them and yet he was exposing the religious leaders as the frauds that they were so now we look at matthew 23 13 through 36 where jesus exposes the characteristics of false teachers and those that claim to speak for God. There's eight woes or eight afflictions, eight times that Jesus exposes them. Don't you think that all the time that Jesus was on earth, he saw a lot of bad stuff coming from the, the Pharisees and the chiefs. He had more, more to say about them than anything else because if you want to obey God, what are you going to do? You're going to go to your local church. And you're going to sit under a pastor and hopefully that pastor is telling you the right thing. Amen. And they only had one synagogue in Jerusalem. I mean, that's where you went. And these teachers are the ones that were really, they were pious. They were religious. And we're going to look at these woes now. So the first one, there's eight of them. The first one. He exposes the characteristics. Number one, he calls them hypocrites. Well, if you want to make anybody mad, call them a hypocrite. So right off the bat, they were upset with him. By their attitudes, they kept people away from the kingdom of heaven. And they made holiness difficult, if not possible, to attain. Shame on anybody that acts holier than thou. That they've never had any, they've never done anything wrong. They've never had anything wrong. People like that hinder other people from coming into the kingdom of God. Number two, they deceive people into thinking they were right with God because they made long prayers. And then they demanded other people who could least afford it to make huge sacrifices for God. They mostly went to the widows and people that didn't have a lot of money. And they would pray these long prayers, and then they would ask for offerings. Number three, they worked zealously to make disciples for themselves and not for God. And he says in the Bible, Jesus said that you go all over the earth to find one proselyte for yourself. So, but they weren't trying to build the kingdom of God. They were trying to build themselves. You know, we don't try to build. We we want faith assembly to be bigger and we want to build our church, but we want to build God's church first. You know, we're in fellowship with other pastors 
And we were rooting for other pastors. Why? Because we're on the same team. And some people just aren't going to like this church and they're going to like the other church better. So should, should we get mad at them? No. We should be happy. We're on the same team. God's going to bless us. And we always say this when we're out and about. There's plenty of sinners for everybody's church to be filled. Amen. That these people, they were going out and they were making disciples for themselves. And they weren't trying to build the kingdom of God. We have to build the kingdom of God. Not our churches. Not the local church. We build our kingdom. Amen. Okay, they were spiritually blind guides trying to lead people in the way. Number five, they were self-righteous and legalistic. They would tithe to the exact, exact mint leaves. Like if they had ten, apparently mint was a big thing. And if they had ten leaves, they would give them exactly one leaf. Nothing more, nothing less. And he says, you've done that, but you forgot the things that really matter, like Judgment, scriptural judgment, mercy, and faith. And they were meticulous about insignificant things, but they didn't give heed to the more important things. Now, I believe in tithing, so don't say, don't, if you're watching, pay your tithe. Number six, they looked great on the outside because they followed ceremonial cleansing, but on the inside, they were full of extortion and excess. And that's from the word. Number seven, Jesus called them whitewashed sepulchers or graves. Have you ever gone by a, a graveyard? It's beautiful on the outside, but inside it's full of dead men's bones. No life. That's what he was saying there. You have no life on the inside. You're dead on the inside. Number eight, you pay homage to the dead saints, but you plot to kill the prophets of your day. Jesus warned them that they will not escape the damnation of their actions. This is why he pronounced the woes on them, to tell them you're not going to escape damnation. It doesn't matter how well you, you dress outside, how well you pray. It doesn't matter how much you tithe. It doesn't, none of that matters because you are a, a whitewashed sepulcher full of dead men's bones. And he said, just because you are, just because you have the name religious leader doesn't mean you're going to heaven. He prophesied that the religious leaders would kill and persecute God's really real disciples. So this is all, remember, he's setting things in order. He just went through Jerusalem and everybody was raising the palm tree, palm, palm branches. And then after that. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because of his intense love for the people. And in a few more days, he would give his life for those very same people. And he wept. And he departed from the temple after that. And his disciples privately asked him about the end of the day. And it was on people's minds then and even on our minds now. You know, you've got to look at the signs of the times. And we covered that when we did the end times quiz about a week ago. I think we're just going to box this as a series. But he spoke after that in Matthew 24. He spoke on the end of times, the persecution of the church and the great tribulation. He emphasized that no man knows. Nobody knows when any of this is going to happen. I mean, we see the times and gosh, we sure do know it's coming quick. When you see the signs, look up. 
And then in Matthew 24, 37 to, 30, 37 to 44, I want to read this to you. The destruction of the wicked and the fate of the unbeliever. But as in the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the man shall be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall it also the coming of the uh, coming of the son of man be. Then two shall be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore. For you do not know what hour your Lord doth come. But we know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and he would have not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore ye also be ready, for such is an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. So he's telling the sinner here. All right, he's, he's dealt with the religious leaders and he's dealt with the sinners And now there's one more group left that he wants to deal with, and that's the church. In chapter 25, he addresses the believers and tells them to be ready. The first parable in that chapter is the parable of the ten virgins. You can be saved, but not ready. Can you do you know that? You can be saved, but not ready. How do we know that? Well, let's just look at that. Then shall, in verse um, chapter 25, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. So he says it here. This is a parable of Jesus. It's not my language. It's what Jesus is saying. So the virgins represent the believers. Five were wise, five were foolish. Those who are not ready have taken a lazy attitude toward their salvation It says in John, he says, if you continue in my way, in my word, then you are truly my disciples. Some get saved, but they never continue. That's why I'm urging you to get into a church, get into a local body. It's not enough to watch TV church unless, of course, that you're absolutely that you can't get out. And I hate to keep emphasizing that. But don't take a lazy attitude toward your salvation. Those who are lazy are going to be left behind. He says it here. He says the five wise and the five foolish. He's addressing the church. He's not addressing unbelievers. They that were were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamps. Okay, and we can say this. I mean, let's just take it down to something maybe you can understand in modern day. The ones that stocked up on toilet paper and the ones that didn't. You know, give me some of your toilet paper. Uh Uh-uh. Of course, we'd share. We'd share our toilet paper. But do you understand? Some prepare for the coming of the Lord. And some are ready. And some are just lazy thinking, well, I'm saved and... You know, I post something on Facebook, I post a scripture and that witnesses to people. And so that's all I need to do. And, 
God's going to get me, uh, take me to heaven with him at the first rapture because I am who I am. And no, God's saying there's five wise, five foolish. Which one are you? Examine your hearts. And then he goes on to say, the next parable, is this all right? I have to ask you because you're the only one that I can see. And you're nodding and I sure appreciate it. Thank you. The next parable is the parable of the talents. And he's talking there to those people who refuse to use what God has given them for the good of the kingdom. They're not going to be allowed to enter the kingdom of God. This is serious stuff. This is what Jesus is ministering before he's crucified. He wants to set these things in order, not to hurt anybody, but to set them in order. Why? Because he has the authority as king. king. Jesus is king, and he's setting authority in his kingdom. So those who refuse to give, to use what God has given them for the good of the kingdom will not be allowed entrance into the kingdom. Listen, COVID-19 shouldn't slow our, down our witness. We should be praying. And I don't want to be like a Pharisee to heap more on you. But we should be praying. If you know somebody who is sitting home alone, call them. See how they're doing. We're on the phone. I've got to say, we're probably on the phone a couple of hours a day. I don't, is that exaggerating or is that about right? Checking on people or people will call or praying for people. Wouldn't it be nice if you called somebody to just check in on them and see how they're doing? And don't you talk. You let them talk. Amen. And then you say, can I pray with you and for you? And you'll say, You'll see that even if you're by yourself, that your day is going to go a lot better and quicker because you're going to get your mind off yourself. So there's things that you can do, even though we're all stuck in our houses. So don't refuse to use what God gives you for the good of the kingdom. Now, we've got a very, I think we've got an exceptional church. I don't want to brag, but we have an exceptional church. They send their tithes in. They call and check on us and, you know, make sure we're okay. And um, you do the same for your church. You make sure you send in your tithes. Wherever you tithe, you send it in. Churches are struggling because a lot of people, a, a lot of people aren't sending in their tithes. And I understand if you're not working, okay, you know, I know that I could feel resistance That, you know, yeah, but I'm not working. Well, you do what God tells you to do. But he says, be ready. Do do your part to be ready. Don't be part of the problem. From the time that I became born again and I learned this, I never tried to be part of the problem. I always tried to be part of the solution. Try in your local church to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And then the last parable in that story, we're still in Matthew 25. I hope you're sticking with me. The next parable is the, um, no, we're, we're done with the parables. But he finished by addressing those who do not do the kingdom work, those who refuse to take care of the needs. He said, make them, separate them, the sheeps from the goats. We've got goats in the congregation and we have sheep. How many want to be a sheep? Yes, amen. That's good teaching. And they said, how? 
He goes, how do we know? And I want to just read that to you. Then shall the king, and this is Matthew 25, verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see, when, when saw we thee that hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? And when we saw thee, a stranger, and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when we saw thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king said unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done these unto one of the least of these and my brethren, you have done them unto me. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lean over. Then they shall say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then they shall also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you? And he shall answer them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did not to one of these, you did not do it to me. And they shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life eternity. So Jesus Jesus was setting up the parameters. And in that last time, if you go back and you read those chapters, from chapter 21 to 25, you'll see... What the Lord requires, you'll see the damnation that he says, if we don't obey. And then he says, we'll see. We see that at the end for those that obey the Lord. So, Heavenly Father, we are thanking you for this word. We thank you that you're so good to us that you allow us to be on Facebook Live. We thank you that we allow you to get the word out. And, Father, we just thank you as... We, it takes you right up to the Last Supper. <laughs> We're careful to give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> Don't forget to mention Friday. Well, we apologize for the little glitch right at the end there for some reason. But, uh, you know, that was good teaching, good exhortation and teaching of the Word. And we, we just want to encourage you. Now, Friday night is Good Friday. And we're going to do a special live program. It won't be a whole service. We're going to do just a presentation and uh, just a time to be with you on Good Friday. And then Easter Sunday morning, we'll be live again right here at uh, uh, Faith Assembly Church. We want to, if you're not in service somewhere, join in with us. Because I know a lot of people still won't be going out because of the um, uh, restrictions that are upon us right now. 
But we want to encourage you to be back with us, and we're going to just see God move in a special way. We, we love everybody, and we just want to just minister to you. And I want us to just, as we close this service tonight, sing this little chorus. For He is Lord. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, we just lift these people to you tonight. We confess your Lordship over our lives, over Faith Assembly Church, over the members of our body. We confess your Lordship tonight. Father, we thank You for the covering that You put over us. Protection, healing, blessings is ours because of what You've done for us. And You are the Lord. And we just praise You for it tonight now. And we just thank You for keeping us, preserving us. And Father, letting us come back together, even Sunday, to worship You again. By Facebook Live and Friday night for Passover special presentation at 6 o'clock. God, we thank you and we just praise you. God bless all of you. Just keep the faith and just keep worshiping the Lord because victory is ours in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen.